0: Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher, and I'm so grateful for this conversation today. Today's guest is championing a culture and a brand that no doubt you're familiar with. He says that he is blessed beyond blessed to serve in the role he does and that he's sitting on the shoulders of a lot of hard work that came before him. Matthew Owen B. is the Chief Human Resource Officer at AFLAC. And what you really need to know about Matthew is how he welcomes the hard conversation. The key message that he and his organization have sent to employees over the last couple of years is, take care of yourself. They are constantly reinforcing with employees, you matter. And their engagement data reflect that. Listen in as we talk about values in action across a large global organization. We talk about sharing bad news, and we talk about how the role of human resources has evolved and been strengthened through the challenge. Check it out.
1: It's been a journey of, uh, you know, a lot of hard work, frankly, and taking roles and jobs that others (laughs) didn't want for very good reasons and it's it sort of led me here and and uh, here is is today at Affleck Incorporated, a company that uh, I am beyond blessed to be a part of, primarily because you know in your intro, the value system that we have and the culture genuinely matches not only my expectations for how companies should treat employees and customers and shareholders and the communities, but just in how we work uh, here. And so after more than uh, two decades of of work in the the HR industry, if you want to call it that, uh, I found myself at a a wonderful place.
0: Yeah. So I can see why you say you are blessed because it's not just, these aren't just values that are espoused across the organization. They're lived. They're values in action.
1: Their values in action. And one of the things about uh, values that matter or the values that ground a company is that when you find yourself in, heaven forbid, a global pandemic, you use those values to be the foundation of all your approaches. So I don't have to sell the idea that we're going to move 98% of a workforce who has never worked remotely to a remote environment in eight days in March. I I don't have to sell that we're going to have to provide pandemic leave for not only our employees, but their families and anybody else they're going to take care of. I don't have to sell that we're going to have to delay returning to the office for various reasons, because the values have a foundational component that we treat all of our employees and all of our customers, all of our stakeholders, shareholders, and and community members with dignity, respect, and care. And that care part uh, makes it easy to do this job in, in these very difficult times.
0: You've probably heard the Roy Disney, Walt's brother, the Roy Disney quote, it's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are.
1: That's right. And you can tell the decisions and the values of a company by the decisions that they make. It's one thing to talk about values, but your decisions really can be reversed so you can see what you really value as a company, as a culture.
0: Yeah, when push comes to shove, what are we actually going to do? Well, so you you talked about The journey of a lot of hard work and taking jobs that others didn't want. So I suspect that you've worked in some environments that weren't as values-based as the environment you're in today. What was the difference?
1: The difference is I've been fortunate to work for what I would consider uh, very well-known companies. And it wasn't that their values were opposed to my own. They just value different things. And at the time, I, I think I've, I matched those things, whether it was, you know, being that type A uh, climber and being determined and, and being ambitious beyond all, in, in my case, kind of reason, where in the beginning of my career, I thought, okay, well, it's important to move, be moving constantly. One of the companies I worked for had a high value on on movement as a method of determining how well you're performing. And while that sounds great, you never really have to live with the consequences of your decisions when you're moving every 12 to 18 months. And so, fast forward to where I'm at today, I've been here uh, nearly 10 years in a week or so you really have to be careful about the ideas, your great ideas, your brilliant ideas, your progressive ideas that are going to change everything because you will have to live with them here. And, and so you take a, a bit more care around it. But it's just that those companies just had a different view of you know, what good was. And Aflac has a view of good that, yeah, we expect – you to be really, really good at the job that we have you at, but how you do your job is just as important. It's just as important to do your job with the how, based on our values, based in our culture, that you're great at your job, Matthew. We just expect you to be great at your job. That's why we pay you. The true greats do it properly, and they do it in the context of the values.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that definition or that, that lens. Our view of what good is, is, is really is the values. I mean, that's how you expect employees to show up. And we're talking about, I mean, it's, it's a huge organization, 15,000 employees, 300,000 agents. How do you ensure that the values are playing out across the organization?
1: First, uh, we are really particular about who we hire. The hiring process is pretty exclusive. There are two reasons for that. One, and, and I, I dare I say this on, on your podcast, we generally want to hire people for life. We want to hire you forever. We we want to hire you because as you probably know, hiring is an expensive activity. Um, and it's really expensive if you're doing it over and over and over again in, in the same or similar roles. Uh, and number two, it, it's difficult to t- detect in one or two interviews, how people really fit. And so we look for that fitment, that you know, initial spark, that initial connection to uh, our culture uh, to make that decision. And then once you get through that process and your day one begins, we have quite an onboarding process that begins. And in some cases, it can last 90 days. And in some cases, it can last an entire year where you're not just coming in and getting your laptop and and getting to work. You're connected with tenured people, people that have been here 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You're engaged in coaching and development activities. And then all throughout the year, we are connecting people to the commitments. Uh, We call them the seven commitments, which is sort of shorthand for our values that we've talked about a lot. And so it's just this perpetual reinforcement of what matters to us. And it builds that muscle memory, if you will, that sort of your initial reaction is in the context of these commitments and the values when they are ingrained and reinforced over time.
0: Even when I'm introduced to the organization in the hiring process, I'm seeing the values, I'm ensuring I'm a fit, I'm an aligned with those values, that I have the same definition of what good looks like. And then that's reinforced ongoing onboarding and throughout my employment. That's right. Yeah, and I, I, I'm really struck by we want to hire you for life. I mean that there's such a commitment in that. You know, it's and it's, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I hear a lot of HR leaders today recognize that the propensity for short-term employment, like the gig in the gig economy. And have even heard a lot of HR leaders recently say like, well, you know, we, we really, don't, really don't care how long people are here as long as they're adding value while they're here and we're able to make an impact. And so it's a very different mindset that you want to hire people for life.
1: Well, we want to hire people for life for a variety of reasons that I mentioned the expense component. But recall that we, we are really in the business of promises, and, you know, an insurance contract, in our case, is essentially a promise on a pe- piece of paper. Well, a human makes that promise come to life. And and so there's this trust that, that has to occur. And trust is built over time, usually long periods of time. Uh, and so it's not good for our customers. It's definitely not good for our shareholders to have uh, people kind of running in and out of the business. Uh, that's just not and then you get into the practicality of it. It's not an effective operations model. You can't really plan very well for it. And it's extraordinarily disruptive.
0: You're right. That agent customer relationship is so critical, isn't it? I mean, that's what it's all about is that relationship and that the trust within that relationship. And those are lifetime relationships.
1: That's right. And so if you're, if you're a sales agent um, working on behalf of the company, the last thing you want to hear is that your company contact is in perpetual change. Right. But that's, not, that's not going to give you the confidence that you need. It's really the kind of the last thing you need to, to be worried about as an agent knocking on doors, making those calls. Well, I wonder if the headquarters staff is going to be the same as it was last week. I wonder if I'm going to be able to rely on, on these people to deliver what I'm essentially promising to deliver on for me. So there's some real practical elements to it. But when you think about what we're trying to accomplish, we believe that part of our jobs as the management team is to have a perpetual corporation. And so the longer we can keep people here, the more likely you are to achieve that goal.
0: I love it. And I I hear your values in that as well. Not surprisingly, if everything comes back to that, doesn't it? it really does
1: and you know it it's it's as simple as you know we opened it up with communication well if you think about relationships you think about trust you think about promises a lot of that is foundational to good communication it's responding when you get uh, a request immediately even if you don't know the answer and it's driving that That trust, that reinforcement of, I'm here for you. I may not know the answer. In fact, a lot of times I personally do not, but I'll bet you I can find somebody that does.
0: Yeah. I know, I know with the first time we talked, you talked a lot about communication transparency. Share, share with the listeners, like, why that's so important to you. And I know you have this little mantra that I so love.
1: Our CEO is an extraordinarily transparent person. And uh, very early on in my uh, tenure here, he would, he would often, and still does today, he still says that you know, bad news does not get better with time, Matthew. So if you have bad news, even though you think it may make me react, you should share it with me don't wait for the right moment. Don't try and predict what mood I may be in or what, what position I'm in. If you have something urgent or you have some bad news, I need to know it quickly so we can figure out how to solve it, so we can figure out how to limit its impact to the corporation and to our people. Um, and what that does is it's, it, it says more broadly that it's okay to tell me the things that you may not want me to hear right? It, 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 that's in a, in another way of reinforcing this trust that we're really driving for from that employee-employer relationship all the way to the top of the, the organization. And there's no penalty for sharing bad news.
0: That's so good. We're hearing a lot about psychological safety and listening to you. It just makes me think it is a psychologically safe environment for me to bring whatever it is that I'm seeing and experiencing across the business.
1: That's right. And often when I bring bad news or unfortunate situations, it's not met with joy and ferocious clapping. it's, (laughs) it's, uh, It's something that we can all work with and deal with. And I think a lot of times in corporations, people may be in the situation where they're trying to sort of position a moment where you can share the truth that you're experiencing, and it rarely comes.
0: Well, and I think too, for leaders at your level, at the C level, I mean, you need boots on the ground. You're you're not going to have visibility to all of the stuff that's going on. And so it's important that you seek feedback and understanding because there's just, it's not possible for you to be everywhere and see it all. It's not. And if you have a
1: system, whether it's implied uh, or it's, you know, sort of understood that uh, you know i i can 't really share with this person or that person because i don 't know how they 're going to react you 're probably not going to be as effective as you could be, and you probably are going to have a much higher uh, risk environment that you 're just unaware of and so you know that notion that problems don 't get better with time, especially at large corporations like this one that move very quickly there 's supreme tactical advantage to knowing. The bad things uh, that are happening, so you can fix them, uh, particularly in in an environment where you know the operations are constrained by a global pandemic. You know, I, I like to credit the our our effectiveness in being a remote environment with the fact that we had and have such a strong uh, reinforcing culture. I worry, frankly, long term not only about this company, but everyone's companies, what is going to be the net impact of this remote environment on your culture? Um, And as much as you and, and I and others try to be virtually visible, is that replacement for those physical interactions? I don't know. I suspect there'll be research done on it for years, but Imagine that environment that I described that didn't have a strong culture and they were left with no other choice but to send people out that may not have that commitment to the company, that may not have those relationships, that psychological safety you mentioned, those communication systems, the, the infrastructure that you need to communicate is even more important when you're remote. And so I just wonder how companies have done it.
0: Well, and I know that that has been top of mind for you, you know, as, as you have this focus right now on the employee experience and engagement and developing the workforce of the future. And so, so tell us how are you approaching that and what have you learned as you've been doing that?
1: In this really fortunate way, in, in a lot of cases, the virtual environment has given us the ability to, you know, almost in a Star Trek, uh, Star Wars futuristic way to sort of beam. Live in time, um, people that you wouldn't normally see in the organizations. It's actually very, it's it's much easier for me to to tell our CEO, hey, can you jump on this call for five minutes and tell these folks that you appreciate them, uh, or have our general counsel or our president of the U.S., Teresa White, come in and and spend five or ten minutes. Much much easier now, simply because it's you're a click away, uh, rather than some of the logistics. that so we have really really levered where we can, um, these virtual tools to make sure that the leadership, that, that C-suite, the executive management team is visible, perhaps in ways that no one ever expected. It is not uncommon for our CEO to join a new employee orientation these days live. That's not uncommon. Now that was pretty uncommon a couple of years ago because physically he would have to move his schedule and and go to a place and now we can just sort of Live stream him in,
0: yeah. So the accessibility advantage. You're, you sounds like you're really leveraging that.
1: We are, and and we're taking every opportunity. You know, basically, we were already sort of a high transparency and communication from the top organization. And where we had, for example, two or three in-person meetings every month, we just turned those into virtual events and and just doubled down on all those activities.
0: Yeah, and what are the what are the key messages that you've shared over the last couple of years during this challenging time? Gosh, they they have been primarily take care of yourselves, take
1: care of yourself so you can take care of the business. And we are here. The company is stable. We will survive this together. Do not, especially as leaders, do not let a, a week go by where you haven't checked in with one of your direct reports that may be working virtually. You have no idea what's happening with them. Uh, you don't know what's happening in their families. There, sh- there really shouldn't be a day, frankly, where you're not checking in with a teammate virtually or by phone just saying, hey, how are you doing? And so we've just reinforced this idea that you matter and we are here for you. And th- this company will persist
0: through this pandemic. And how, how has that been received by team members? I think very well. I mean, we have been fortunate, and um,
1: in, in th- these numbers will sound, uh, I, I know, ludicrously high, but we we often have total engagement scores uh, in the high 80s, low 90s, and we actually improved our overall engagement and trust scores throughout the pandemic, which I think is testimony to the work that we've done and the communication um, people you know, even and sort of shocking to me, or even they report themselves to be more engaged and more trusting. Uh, and I think that's because very early in the crisis, they knew that our goal was to protect them. It, it was ab- absolutely a difficult conversation to tell the management team in February that by the beginning of March in 2020 there would be very few people on campus across the U.S. and in Asia. It, was, it wasn't it was a fun conversation. An organization that, that prior to that had maybe a couple hundred people working, quote-unquote, virtually, we'll call it hybrid, um, to move uh, that many people off campus was a pretty big leap of faith.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And the logistics involved in that as well.
1: It was not easy, but I will tell you that I think that – initial move reinforced that we were going to take care of you. We had obviously no idea in, in February or even early March that the circumstances would play out the way they did, which is why we reacted the way we did. So when faced with an unknowable risk, our first, uh, our first order of business was to take care of our employees.
0: I love that. Well, and when I ask you, like, what was the key message? You know, I, I love it that your that the first thing you said is the message was take care of yourself. You reinforced that you matter. So I'm not surprised then that the engagement scores are so high, right? Because they they feel cared about. They feel seen and valued.
1: That's right, and and we always are striving to do to do better at that. And again, I, I'm—I I will tell you, I, I am not convinced <laughs> that uh, the long-term implications of virtual work are great for this corporation or, or any others. Uh, but we're making the best of it.
0: Well, and, you, and your engagement scores are higher than they've ever been in some cases. So clearly, there's something there's something working. So here we are, you know, can you believe it's two years? We've, this is like, it was March of 2020, right? When everything shut down and here we are, like early 2022, March right around the corner. I, it boggles me <laughs> that it's been two years.
1: It feels as though uh, often I'm in conversations with people and, and they'll be referring to something that happened and I'll say, that was 2019. We've lost two years together. Like you're talking about something as though it was recent, but you know for for aflac, you know the pandemic response happened, uh, and I keep a very close tab on this seven hundred and twenty eight days ago. We started planning for this in late January. We have uh, fortunate access to board of directors that work for, um, obviously, very large uh, companies that are engaged in um, pandemic planning and, and epidemiology. And, and so we had a view, and certainly not like a profit view, but we had a view that this was unknowable and could be long.
0: Well, and it goes back to your earlier comment about like the just being open to the bad news, right? You're, you take those things seriously and plan around that. There's an openness to it.
1: There is. And, and we don't see a benefit in, in delaying that, that sort of, let's just have the hard conversations. There just doesn't, you know, it's emotionally hard. It creates anxiety. Very rarely, again, does, does bad news improve over time. It's, it's rare. And so we, when faced with bad news, we just addressed it as quickly as possible.
0: Well and again it's that's a demonstration of your values treating people with dignity and respect is telling them what they need to know when you know it it's you're not withholding anything you're putting it out there now there i I suspect like there's good thoughtfulness around how it's positioned and how you message it and who messages it
1: yeah i mean we um we've used every messaging uh courier and medium possible and in every context, we we have used and probably overused every every people leader, you know, every site manager, every division leader. Obviously, every member of the executive team and the management team. We've used board of directors communicate. We we've really done it all. We've got a wonderful communication staff here that specializes in disaster communications. Fortunately, we, we just were fortunate to have a person on the communications team that had spent a lot of time in planning and helping corporations recover from disasters. So we, we were just in a, in a great spot.
0: You were set up well for it. Well, you have been the chief human resources officer through this challenging time. How has your role changed?
1: <laughs> well, I've gotten a lot more responsibility, uh, believe it <laughs> or you not. Know, very few people would have signed up to be the um, pandemic response leader for the corporation. It just sort of uh, uh, fell to me. I think in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. But the role, which is one thing I love about HR in general, is that you know, the diversity of activities, because you're in the people business, people are all different. Um, it changes every single day. Uh, and every, there's really, there's really no day that is the same and there are no easy days. And so for my, my role has changed pretty dramatically. It's been, it's been very, very focused, obviously on business continuity, uh, obviously on protecting the firm, reducing the risk of the personnel impacts to the organization. And I suspect that that's going to persist through the remainder of certainly the first and perhaps even the second quarter.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say, Matthew, that you've gotten a lot more responsibility. There was an article I was reading the other day about HR leaders as the school nurses, and the like medical knowledge that we've had to take on and gain through this process.
1: Well, you know, fortunately, uh, back in 2015, we actually had this idea um, that we should have, of all things, on-site healthcare for our major operations center. So each one of our operations center has the equivalent of, of a small uh, sort of urgent care unit with registered nurses. Um, now, obviously, I did not know that 2020 uh, would be the way it is, but we were significantly improved and advantaged by having on-site medical care in our major operations center.
0: So once again, like quite fortuitous that you had some things in place that have really served you well through this.
1: Yeah, and if you think back to 2015, the reason and the sell for having on-site healthcare was, well, how can we take care of these employees? How can we, you know, how can we be there for them in a in an unusual way? Uh, and this was just another example of that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think even for our profession, because you know the the importance of HR and talent leaders have really been highlighted over the last couple of years, and I do think that the evolution of our profession has really helped us to be in a position where we can impact the business in such a new, important way during this challenging time. And that's a good example of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, this has been a a great opportunity for the function as a whole to shine.
0: Yes, it has. So some definitely some good things. You are such an optimist. So you definitely, uh, I definitely get that and I love it. (laughs) I so appreciate it.
1: Things will get better. There is no doubt about it. Uh, You can't help but be optimistic.
0: And we're growing and learning a lot along the way.
1: Every day, literally every day. And um, I hope that we can uh, very quickly in 2022 uh, recover from this terrible pandemic and and sort of get back to the basics, which is our uh, HR theme for this year is back to the basics. So hopefully we'll get there.
0: Well, if if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners about leading through challenging times, leading based on values, you know, what is Matthew Owenby's like most important advice for leaders?
1: It's almost um, childishly simple. Treat people exactly how you want to be treated, no matter how you think they may react. You know, and and when you go into those situations and, and I'm involved obviously in a lot of not great conversations, if I'm treating people like I would want to be treated, then I know I've done my part.
0: I know I've done my part. So you can feel good about that. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for being here today, sharing the the values and action across AFLAC and how you're leading that. The communication, transparency, messages, welcoming and being open to bad news so that you can address issues quickly. If our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Well, you can certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on I'm there at Matthew Owenby at LinkedIn. Uh, and you could also email me if you wanted to. I actually respond to quite a lot of external email um, if you wouldn't mind, I'll provide my address. and if you want to know me, I'll be I'll Yeah, be that
0: says a lot about your communication transparency and your level of openness. You know,
1: in addition to my normal job, I get uh, quite a lot of emails from employees that uh, I've either met or haven't met from all over the world all the time. And I try and respond to all of them very quickly. But if you'd like to respond or interact with me, you can reach me at um, M as in Matthew, O-N-B-O-W-E-N-B-Y at Aflac.com.
0: Wonderful. Matthew, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for modeling the way and providing such a powerful example that we can all learn from. You're such a great leader doing such great, such great work.
1: Thank you for having me. And I appreciate the opportunity to share our story.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.